This is going to be our podcast episode talking about renewable energy. And today we have a very special guest speaker. Nico, do you care to introduce them? Give us your name. We are joined by Mr. Jerry Arantes, the Executive Director of the CEED, or the Center for Energy, Ecology, and Development. So I guess to start off for a question for you, um, Sir Jerry, is there any specific criteria for renewable energy, considering that we have a lot of different efficient energy sources, such as uh, nuclear power, that isn't considered renewable per se? The country has a vast potential in terms of renewable energy sources. Uh, we're actually quite lucky to actually be having a very diverse uh, source of uh, sources of renewable energy compared to many other countries have uh, tapped into the potential before us. So even the government have actually you know, come up with its roadmap wherein most of these sources have already been identified. So from wind, solar, to hydro, to geothermal, and even tidal. So there's, there's plenty of all these resources uh, in terms of potential uh, for the country. Oh, following up to that, I've heard of hydro, but what do you mean by tidal? Tidal is, is a new source. It's basically tapping the strength of the, uh, the waves. It's quite new for the Philippines, but internationally, globally, it has been tapped already by some other countries. So, tidal energy taps into the you know the the strength that the waves are creating. So, they there's a technology wherein a device can actually tap into the energy produced by the waves. So, it's it, it can produce electricity, but scale-wise, not yet there but it is it's sort of a startup so basically uh, tidal energy is in the inception stage but because we are located uh, geographically you know around near the actually adjacent to the pacific ocean where you know there's lots of potential coming from that so in the Philippines, among many countries around the Pacific, is foreseen as a, a region wherein vast potential of tidal energy can actually be tapped. Right now, the Philippines is only at the pilot stage. So there's a pilot project already that's ongoing to uh, see the feasibility of actually you know, tapping into that uh, source of energy. Well, that's really interesting considering I've never heard of this like until today. But yes, we have so many sources of renewable energy. Why is it, there's it like a stereotype that it's expensive? Is it actually expensive to have renewable energy or is it just a misconception? Of course, if new technologies comes in when it is not yet, you know, at that uh, at a commercial scale or large scale most of the time, the tendency is that it would actually really be costly. So if you guys know how cell phones started, if you read about it or have seen documentaries around it, back then in the 90s, cell phones are so expensive and so big. It's actually, it's like a, 
in Filipino language is like pangkod-kod ng yellow. So that was the device before. It was so big and it's so expensive to buy one uh, back then. So as uh, many people use the technology, uh, cell phones, it eventually dislodged the, you know, the landlines. So this actually is in the similar path that renewable energy is, uh, you know, traversing. At first, it can actually be really costly, but because renewable energy, unlike many other sources, can actually be tapped even by ordinary households, ordinary people. They can actually, you know, put up their own solar facilities in their respective houses. So more and more people use it, and so companies produce more. Uh, so therefore, as well as technological innovation are actually moving forward, just like cell phones that have become, you know, uh, smaller and uh, more efficient and and even cheaper and very accessible. So right now you can buy a, a cell phone worth 300 pesos or 500 pesos. You cannot buy that as that cheap in, in the 90s. So renewable energy is like that, especially solar and wind. Because it is uh, unlike many other sources that only big companies that have a large uh, chunk for investing into it can actually have the access. So that's the big difference. So if more and more people use it, and that's how other, many other countries in the U.S., uh, in Europe, have tapped into the vast potential of you know, affordable electricity coming from uh, renewable energy. So concretely, how do I how do I put it in our experience? When solar energy and wind energy was introduced in the Philippines, like really commercially deployed, when uh, the first mechanism under the renewable energy law. So we have a law around renewable energy use. Okay. So when the first mechanism was implemented, it's it's a long story, but uh, the, the name of the mechanism is the feed rate uh, or the feed-in tariffs. It's like a mechanism wherein a company can, can uh, deploy electricity from a large-scale solar or wind facility to the grid. And the grid dispatches it to the distribution utilities such as Meralco, and then it goes to our house. Okay, So that's the way it uh, started in, in terms of the big mechanisms. So when it started, the price then, the bidding price and the, the, you know, the rates that won was around 18 pesos per kilowatt hour. So if you look at the bill, it's always measured. So electricity is measured in terms of prices with kilowatt hour, okay, per kilowatt hour. So it's like an average for Metro Manila is around 10, 10, 10 30 pesos. Okay, per kilowatt hour, an average per kilowatt hour. So you can imagine that when it started, people got dissuaded and it was very expensive. So that's why they, the, the industry, the, the renewable energy industry needed the fit mechanism. What, what was the fit mechanism? It sort of provides incentives to companies that will engage into solar and wind development and technologies uh, under the renewable energy law uh, so they get more incentives so like the difference 
between the this is just an example eh? with the difference between the 10 pesos and 30 cents and the 18 pesos so that's around more or less uh let's say eight pesos uh for example that will be subsidized so that's how the mechanism sort of helped the industry because it was just starting so imagine at that time the rate was around 18 pesos and 19 pesos per kilowatt hour. What's the rate right now? So on on grid solar electricity is around two pesos and 99 cents. So can you imagine that? Wow. And there is an ongoing. I think there was a a tender for a bid, which is was the you know the lowest, which was around two pesos and 35 cents. I don't know if it won. So you can imagine how you know drastically it has moved further uh, towards providing affordable electricity. So there's a big mis misconception around the you know affordability of renewable energy. And as as time goes by, I and, and I'm glad that the national government has finally embraced the renewable energy push. So now that we've talked a bit about um, the prices of renewable energy. When it comes to the efficiency of renewable energy, um, how does that fare when compared to uh, the current non-renewable sources we use today, like fossil fuels? Yeah, good question. That's, that has always been the Achilles heel, quote-unquote, of renewable energy, right? But first of all, let us disabuse that renewable energy is solar and wind. Renewable energy has many other sources. Like, for example, hydro. Hydro can produce 24-7 electricity as long as you have the, the water uh, source that is capable of producing water enough to run the, no, the, the turbine, like the dams or the falls, Mara Cristina falls. We have, for the longest time before the 90s, we have been dependent for decades from renewable energy such as uh, hydro and even geothermal. These, these two types can produce 24-7. So let us disabuse that concept that renewable energy is inefficient. So therefore, renewable energy can produce 24-7 electricity. But there are circumstances, like for example, hydro. In, during summer, because it's, uh, you know, it's hot, there's less water, and because there's many deforestation happening in the country, so we have water problems. So one, you need to address that. So there's a gap. So you need to plan out what will actually supplant the loss of supply coming from hydroelectricity. For geothermal, the technology in itself is very dependent on water also because the turbine of the geothermal plant can can only uh, run through steam, okay? And in order for a geothermal plant to to function, they would need to, to pour a lot of water onto the uh, very the hot rocks, uh, or you, that's why most of these geothermal plants are located near volcanic uh, areas. So they need. They need the ecosystem. They need ample water supply to produce the steam. So it's it's also conditional. But 
there are many facilities that have existed for decades already that produces 24/7 electricity for the Philippines. And and take note, the Philippines is second globally on geothermal technology. So it's not like we're we're a nobody in terms of renewable energy. That's the second source. So let's go to the the new sources, which is solar and wind, which is the highly maligned electricity source globally and, and, and in the country. In terms of efficiency for solar, because it is reliant on uh, the sun, therefore, during nighttime or during at times wherein it's, uh, it's cloudy or it's rainy, then therefore the efficiency gets lowered. That's why it, the, the solar energy and even wind energy is called intermittent electricity. Intermittent energy, meaning it cannot, it's, it's so hard to predict. But there are mechanisms that are already there that can actually absorb it. And it's uh, deployable during many specific times and, uh, and it's called the smart grid. Because if you produce and you use intermittent electricity, with your, like for example, your cell phones or your laptops, your laptops and cell phones will, will, get, will get damaged. So, but there are mechanisms, technologies that, you know, ensures that uh, these are addressed. Therefore, at the end of the day, it's actually a, we need a mix. We need a renewable energy mix to, to ensure that we can run 24-7. So because the Philippines has vast potential and many other sources, you can actually plan it out. So that's, that's the efficiency, you know, the, the answer to efficiency issue. I'm honestly just surprised at all this new internet. I didn't even know we were second place when it comes to geothermally. And also on that note, you said geothermal is, of course, using volcanic sites. And some people do consider volcanoes maybe a danger. And to follow up on that thought, are there any flaws, potential threats, that, or just any general danger that can come with renewable energy? Or is it just uh, the one nearly completely safe method of power generation? Most of technologies have their own respective uh, impacts to, to environment and risks. It's not like, it's not like there are sources that doesn't have, most have, especially if it's large scale. So therefore, the impacts to the environment and even social impacts gets magnified. So like for example, a large solar facility will actually have impact eventually when there are so many, will, will impact land because you would need vast tracts of land to put up solar farms. Just like these geothermal plants because most of these geothermal plants would actually be located not just in volcanic areas but the remaining fragile forest of the country. So that's, that's also why there are many protests against it. So it has uh, many implications as well. But the point here is that when you plan out in terms of energy what sources would have the minimal impacts to nature, the minimal impacts to uh, the social aspect of life? 
So that has to be weighed. For like for example, nuclear. Why would you pursue nuclear if the Philippines is incapable of actually uh, developing or even doesn't have even the capacity to ensure the the safety and disposal of uranium waste? You cannot even monitor all those that are extracting our mineral resources, much less a, a very risky disposal of uranium waste. So you have to, you have to balance it out. It, it's called strategic cost-benefit analysis. So if you ask me where should we be actually producing electricity, we, we have vast potential. The potential for renewable energy in the country is 10 times, 10 times the current capacity. So you, you don't need to look at other sources or look at other countries. You just need to tap and develop our existing potential. Like wind energy has been mapped by even by the Department of Energy to around 76 gigawatt of energy potential. What is 76 gigawatts? That is three times the current capacity of the Philippines. Just wind alone, if you tap it and double it, for example, you can, you know, you can use it to develop the country already. It, it, and it doesn't include solar, geothermal, and hydro, and many other sources. So you, you, you really have to plan it out and use the strategic uh, cost-benefit analysis for us to actually be weighing on these many sources and, and, and the impacts to, to, to society and to the impact to the environment. It sounds like you might have a preference for one of the renewable energy sources because you talked about a lot of them. They're all very safe and clearly much better than all the, all the non-renewable sources. But I wanted to ask, do you personally have a favorite? Renewable energy source? Uh, not really a favorite. <laughs> but it depends on the, the need of the country. But right now, I think, like, for example, my organization and many other organizations are using in terms of raising awareness and even helping out communities to be electrified, especially during typhoon seasons. Okay? Like, for example, during Ulysses or Raleigh, iPhone Rolly, how many households uh, didn't have electricity for days and even weeks, right? The easily deployable source of electricity that, uh, you know, they can, they can have at least a light during nighttime and uh, a charger to, you know, to charge their cell phone so that they can call their loved ones that they're okay, they can communicate, they can ask for uh, assistance and many others. That's solar power. So that's why many of the organizations such as ours is helping communities to deploy and even put up their own solar power system. And, and what we do, what the community does, uh, like for example, to address uh, you know, uh, at nighttime or in the afternoon where the sun is no longer there. So that's why there's battery. So they can use it. At nighttime, they store the, the, the sun uh, energy at, uh, in the morning 
and then they they store it in battery so that they can use lights or other sources, TV perhaps or transition ra transi transition radio during nighttime. Did you know that there's there's still around 10 to 15 percent of Filipinos that doesn't have access to electricity? Can you imagine a, a time wherein we can communicate like this real time? There are still around more than 15 million Filipinos that doesn't have access to electricity. So most of these Filipinos or families can actually access electricity easily by deploying solar power systems. That you know you can you 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 don't have to put up many infrastructures like transmission lines just just for them to to uh, establish these solar powered. Uh, facilities, small scale in their respective communities, they can store it, they can um, use it to the maximum. And many communities have benefited from this. Right now, our preference is solar because it's easily deployable. And even the ordinary family or the urban poor household can actually, or rural poor household can actually uh, use it and access it. Okay, so uh, with all that said regarding um, setting up your own solar panels or your own um, renewable energy, I guess, source uh, at your own home, are there any things that homeowners and families should know regarding how to set up a sort of a solar panel setup as efficiently as possible? For one, I, I, I really would encourage everyone to actually tap into it. There's, there's a complicated explanation why you should, but I'll try to you know, make it as easy as possible. The electricity, like for example in Metro Manila, they do not charge just one the whole day. They do not charge it that way. There's a different, different charging for every parts of the day. And there are two main parts that are very expensive during the day or during the whole day and night. These are called the peak periods. What's the peak period? Wherein many of the malls, many of the offices, many of the schools, and even households will actually ramp up their use of electricity. Why? Because it's hot, especially in the Philippines, right? Uh, at around 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., that's the hottest. So most of the time, the electricity demand rises. So that's also the case during nighttime, especially when people go home. So then they use more electricity. So these are called the peak hours or peak periods, wherein the distribution utilities, just like Meralco, will use other technologies. Okay? And most of the time, these are the diesel power plants which you can easily turn turn off and turn on during those period when you need it coal-fired power plants cannot do that because coal-fired power plants you need to turn it on 24 hours before you use it so they cannot be like uh, turn on turn off any moment and it doesn't work for them economically because it would be very expensive so for diesel diesel is very expensive it's imported etc etc but if you use solar during daytime, imagine the difference when you have diesel 
for around 16 pesos, 17 pesos per kilowatt hour. And then you have solar for 3, pe 3 pesos per kilowatt hour. Imagine the difference. So that's why many who have transitioned to solar power energy, diba? many have, have their own testimonies that their, their electricity prices have gone drastically down. So this is the main benefit if you transition to renewable energy or solar panels on your rooftop. And if many of us use solar rooftop PVs, the net impact would be that the whole demand nationally would go down. So you don't need more coal-fired power plants or big plants, even renewable energy plants. You don't you would you wouldn't be needing that because you know you've reduced the the elect overall electricity demand. So that's how it works. For household families or families that want to to venture into renewable energy uh, or solar rooftop PV in their respective houses, my tip is one, you need to make sure that it has high quality. There are so many companies right now, unlike, what, five years ago or ten years ago, that provides I know, high quality technologies. Uh, and they have warranties like 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. It could be expensive uh, at first glance, but if you compute it, like how uh, your uh, return of investment would be in due time, in, a, in around three to five years, you can recoup everything. In the next 10 to 15 years, will be free for you. So that's how you should look at it. Most of the time, the problem is how to finance it. So that's where the second point is. There are so many facilities right now already in place. Many commercial banks have offered, they have their own portfolio. You can access it. You can uh, make a loan with a specific incentive around it. And if you are a member of like, uh, for example, Pag-Ibig or uh, other uh, facilities, you can also, Pag-Ibig has their own solar rooftop PV loan mechanism which is, you know, at a lower interest rate. So there are so many uh, new in initiatives right now. It just so happened that it is, it's not being propagated. So people doesn't know uh, where to go, what to do. Thirdly, you really have to invest into taking care of the facilities. So a regular checkup, a, you know, at least you would, you would have to learn the basics of uh, maintenance, so on and so forth. And lastly, we, we really need to, and this has something to do with Meralco, this has something to do also with the government, to address the gridlocks or the bottlenecks in homes or families accessing what is called the net metering system. Basically, the net metering system is a mechanism under the, the law which governs renewable energy which provides for incentives to household. When they put up solar rooftop PV, sometimes you don't use it, right? Like daytime, not now because uh, most of us are at home, but during you know normal times outside the pandemic, we go to schools, we go to offices. So no one is using more electricity from their homes. So when you have solar panels and you're not into net metering, that's a waste electricity being produced by solar panels. But with net metering, that electricity 
produced by your solar panels can actually be sold to Meralco. So you actually earn from what your solar panels are producing while you are not using it. So that's that's the mechanism that, that benefits households, which is uh, net metering. I am currently applying for net metering. It has been almost a year. <laughs> so you can imagine... You know, uh, someone who have uh, chosen to to set up a solar power uh, system at their homes, and then you would wait for this long to actually be able to access such mechanisms. But still, the benefits are there. It outweighs the the these cumbersome processes. But that needs that that really needs to be addressed because if those uh, processes are addressed, then more people will actually be you know. We'll be, we'll be using it. And that was all of our questions. And I think you were able to, we were able to learn very interesting things. And I, I personally learned a lot of new things, considering I also and learned about new things about having actual solar panels, because I personally do have solar panels in my house, and I didn't know about all those little technical aspects. But unfortunately, today we're running out of time. And to close this off, we just wanted to ask you if you have any final messages for our viewers uh, slash listeners. My final message uh, to everyone that's listening, especially to you know young young ones such as such as you guys, renewable energy is the future. It's already here, and the future is yours. So that that's why the youth plays a very critical role in terms of advocating for it, and. Also, the youth has the time to learn this technology, okay? Uh, the old ones, uh, most of the time, because we learn from, uh, you know, the old technologies, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to transition. So it, it's more into the, you know, the, it's, it's upon the, the, the young ones to actually be educating the, the society around this because at the end of the day, you, you will be the ones that will be, bearing the burden of a fossil fuel dominated power uh, system in the country. So there are many things that you can actually do uh, starting today. That's all. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for the time you've been able to spend with us today giving us all this information. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. I know it's a really hectic time right now. So thank you for spending your time, for coming over and uh, answering our questions. Thank you for participating in our podcast. And um, to all the viewers, make sure to catch the next episode whenever it comes out.